Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Well, let's go to Ephesians 4. We want to continue with this that we've been on, entitled, Give No Place. And... uh, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe it's helping us. You know, when God begins to set you on a road of revelation, what I've learned is that uh, we have to walk it out. And uh, something that I I learned early on in the ministry was that, uh, you know, God will give you a message, but rarely does He just give you a message one time especially pastor in the church. Uh, he wants you to follow this, this out, and it, it begins to move that body in the direction that God's trying to take them. And, uh, of course, that's, that's the, starts, the responsibility starts with the head of that ministry. But, so that's what we endeavor to do. And um, Ephesians 4, and uh, beginning in verse 25, the Apostle Paul makes the statement, He says, uh, uh, not to lie, put away lying, and speak every man truth with his neighbor. And as members one of another, the next verse says, uh, and don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Be angry and don't sin. And then he says this, this has been our foundation, neither give place to the devil. Neither give place to the devil. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. So he says here that there are things that a person can do that gives place to the enemy. But to me, that's vital. But what I'm focusing on as well is the fact that if he tells me not to give him place, then it's possible not to. Right? Amen. The uh, word give. It means to give to someone or to follow him as a leader. Neither give place to the devil. So, in other words, he's saying don't follow his lead. Right? Amen. For the devil to have an opportunity to act in a believer's life, that believer has to follow his lead. And yield to him. This is a big word. Because I've been focusing on this over the last couple weeks. This word yield. It's so big. And the reason it's so big is because that is the enemy's always trying to get you to yield. To yield to his thinking. To yield to his mindset. To yield to the direction that he wants you to go. Uh, I won't take the time to go there. You can read it. But in Proverbs chapter 7, uh, where the Bible talks about uh, 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 the, the, the loose woman. And it says that uh, Solomon said, I looked out my window and I saw among the youths uh, a young man void of wisdom. 
And it says he came and he was walking around the, by this woman's neighborhood. And it says she caught him. And you remember what she said. You know, I, 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 I have uh, meat offerings. My husband's gone. He's taken a lot of money with him. Uh, I perfumed my Betty. And, right? And she's bringing him into her home. But here's what it says. Here's what caught my attention. It says, with her much fair speech, she caused him to yield. She kept talking till he gave in. Amen. Then I read to you Wednesday from the book of Judges with Samson. We read five times. He, Delilah asked him, what's the secret to your strength? Five times. And then finally, it says that she did that to him daily and became a grief of soul to him. She wore him out. She made him yield. And while I was reading both those verses, the enemy said that's a, that's, that's a shadow of the enemy. That's how he operates. He just keeps pressing and pressing and pressing and pressing and pressing, trying to get somebody to yield. Amen. Do, do, do you see that? But I don't have to yield. You don't have to yield. Is that right? So his ultimate plan is to get us to yield to his plan and purpose, which always, we know, opposes God's plan and purpose. Notice 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians 2. And this is, uh, Paul was dealing with the Corinthian church about forgiving this man that had uh, gotten into sin and they'd put him out of the church. <laughs> and, uh, but then Paul writes him and he says, well, you know, he's repentant, so you need to forgive him and bring him back. But notice why. Verse 10, to whom you forgive anything... Forgive also I, for if I forgave anything to whom I forgave it for your sakes in the person of Christ, lest Satan should get an advantage of us. For we're not ignorant of his devices. Right? Paul says you forgave and I forgave, so Satan would not get an advantage of us. Right? Advantage means to defraud or make a gain. We don't want him to defraud us or get a gain on us. Right? And he says the way you do that is you keep the door shut to him. You keep the door shut to him. I'm going to forgive so he won't get an advantage. Amen. We're not ignorant of his ultimate goal. Which is what? To get us to yield. I've talked to believers before. And they say, I just don't understand it. Over the last three weeks, it's just been this thought in my mind. He's trying to get you to yield. That's how he operates. Amen. Amen. Now, you can learn, we've taught on this in previous messages, you can learn immediately to grab it, cast it down, slap it down, don't let it exist. But here's the issue. The, the reason why his tactics work are because they're not spectacular. 
They're mundane. People think they're just thoughts. But an entity spoke that thought. It wasn't something that just came up in your mind. The devil said it. A demon said it to try to get you to yield. Now, there are believers that they don't like that. They don't like to talk about the devil and demons. Well, that's, that's why he's so effective. Because he's convinced a large part of the church that he don't even exist. There are believers that don't really believe in the devil. And that's why he wins so much in their life, not in our life. Amen? Trying to get us to yield. You got, you got to recognize those patterns. That when he starts putting the pressure, he's trying to get me to yield to something. And, and remember, yield is to, 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 when you give place, it means to follow his lead or to yield to him. When you're getting on the highway and you have a yield sign, it means that the traffic's coming this way and you yield to their right of way. When you yield to the enemy, you're giving him the right of way. In, your life, in whatever area that it may be. And he does that through pressure, through mental pressure. Look at, look at Matthew 16. Matthew 16. Hallelujah. There's no such thing as just a thought. I've had people tell me that. Well, that don't mean anything. It's just a thought. Oh, no. Thoughts are seeds. Thoughts are attempts. And the wrong thoughts, I'm saying, are attempts by the enemy to move you a certain direction. Amen. I've talked to pastors before. They say, well, I just can't get this thought out of my mind, you know, that uh, we're going to fail. Well, you better get it out of your mind. Or you'll go down that road. Because failure is not ever from God. And so I don't ever need to yield to it. Because he said, thanks be unto God, who always, always, Causes me to triumph. Always gives me the victory. Right? You, you don't yield to that. I, I, I've had people say, well, you, you know, it's, it's possible for you to do this or to have. No, it's not. No, 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 it's not. The Lord told my pastor, he said something to him. He said it years ago and it just imprinted my spirit. He said, the Lord told him, if you always do what I tell you, the devil will never get in your church. If you always do what I tell you, the devil will never get in your church. Do you see this? I've had people want us to get involved in things. And I always go back to this. Did the Lord tell me to do that? And you say, what's that got to do with this? Because listen, the enemy will use something good to try to get you to yield. He just wants you to yield and get off track. Off of what you're supposed to do. And I've had people get upset with me. Get mad at me. I've I've had people say ugly things. Because they say this is what we need to do. And I'll say did God tell us that? 
Because if God didn't tell us, we're not doing it. Yeah, but it's a good idea and everybody else. I, I, remember what your mama used to say? If everybody else jumps off the bridge, you're going to jump too? Just because everybody else and every other church and every other group is doing a certain thing is no meaning that I am supposed to do that certain thing. And if you let the enemy start pressuring you and you start yielding, you start yielding to people, you start yielding to their opinions, everybody that gives you their opinion is not hearing from God. I'm going to show you this from the scripture. There are people that are hearing from the devil. And they, they may not know it, but they are. You got to be careful with that. Amen. Did God tell you to do it? Hallelujah. Well, we're having this big event and all the churches are getting involved. Well, okay, I understand, but did God tell me to do it? Because if He didn't, we're going to be right here on Sunday night having church. Why? Because that's what He told us to do. Amen. Look at Matthew 16, verse 15. But He, Jesus, says to them, Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said, Now, I'll ask you a question. It's, I, I know it's an elementary question. Who's saying this? Who's about to say this? Who's that? What's that? A little louder, please. Jesus answered Peter and said to Peter, Flesh and blood, right, hath not revealed this unto you, but my Father, which is in heaven. Is that what he said? So did Peter just think that up? No, Jesus said the Father revealed it to him. So Peter heard in his heart what the Father said to him. He heard the single greatest revelation in the earth. And what did he do? He yielded to the Father and spoke out what the Father said. What did he do? He yielded to the Father. Do you see this? He yielded. So, ever what I'm hearing, I've got to yield to it whether it's God or the devil. So he yielded to this revelation. Now, verse 21. From that time forth began Jesus to show his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and the priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Uh, then Peter. This is Mr. You're the Christ. The son of the living God. Then Peter. Took him. You know I read this over and over again in studying. It carries this idea. Peter took Jesus. By the arm. 
Uh, I need you to see it. Jesus is saying, this is what's going to happen. And Peter comes and takes Jesus by the arm. (laughs) Jesus, not Judas, not James or John, Jesus. Peter, Mr. Foot in the mouth, grabs Jesus and starts to rebuke him. You know, if I'd have been there, I think I would have had to say, oh, Lord, Peter is rebuking Jesus. (laughs) Is that what it says? You can't soften this. One moment he's hearing, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus is saying what has to happen so redemption can be a reality. And Peter grabs him and starts rebuking him. Peter is rebuking Jesus. <laughs> uh, be it far from you, Lord, this will not be unto you. Other translations say, pity yourself. Feel sorry for yourself. Spare yourself. Do you see this? So one minute he's speaking revelation from God. And now we see him speaking the enemy's thoughts. Well, how is that? He yielded. Notice the next verse. It says, but he, Jesus, turned. And said to Peter, now, well, I'm going to get into that, so bear with me. Get behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me because you don't savor the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Hallelujah. He yielded and spoke out the revelation of who Jesus was. And then he yielded to the devil's attempts to sabotage Jesus' ministry. The Phillips translation says, Then Jesus turned around and said to Peter, Out of my way, Satan. You stand right in my path, Peter, when you think the thoughts of men and not those of God. The Woos Bible says, And having turned around, he, with his back turned to Peter and Satan, Said to Peter, be gone under my authority and keep on going behind me, out of my sight, Satan. A stumbling block you are to me because you do not have a mind for the things of God, but the things of men. One translation says, he said to Peter, you are a Satan to me. Adversary. Now, Many are quick to say, well, Jesus was was talking to Satan and not to Peter. Doesn't sound that way to me. Sounds like he was talking to both of them. Was was Peter speaking a satanic thought? What's that? He was. Why did he say it? He yielded to it. Notice how Jesus responded. No, he said, you get behind me because you don't have a mind for the things of God before the things of men. See, Jesus couldn't yield to it, not for one moment. He rebuked Peter for voicing the thought. 
and he rebuked the devil for attempting to get it into his mind through Peter. Any thought from anybody that's contrary to God's plan for your life is of the devil. Any thought. Because the devil will use it. I didn't say the person was a devil. I said it's of the devil. Hallelujah. Any thought that tries to move you away from God's plan is of the devil. And people yield to it. Hallelujah. You know, I've watched this over the years pastoring. People will come to church and their life will be a wreck. And their family will be praying for them. And their life will just be messed up. And they'll come to church and God will deliver them, set them free, turn their lives around. And then those same well-meaning family members will tell them, you might be spending too much time at that church. (laughs) What? You prayed for them. I thought that's what you wanted. Amen. Or... Well, you know, I mean, I I understand, but I don't think it takes all that. Well, now, somebody will say, you know, but that's a good, well-meaning person. Right, but good, well-meaning people can yield to the wrong thought and and speak it to you. Amen. Glory to God. When, when When the Lord really dealt with us strongly, about, uh, about uh, 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 not just starting the church here in Little Rock, but moving here. You know, the, the Lord said through us, through uh, uh, our uh, brother Leonard the other Sunday, you know, he said Little Rock's going to be the hub. And everything in this fellowship is going to flow through this ministry, this church. Well, the, see, God had to get us here. Had to get me here. And... Uh, but my point is, so when I was making that decision to move, there's a, a, a man of God in my life that I've known for many years. He was very gracious to us when we first moved to Kansas, the Kansas City area, and really helped us and was a blessing to us. We attended his church for a number of years and uh, 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 just always been a blessing to us. And I felt it was pertinent to tell him that I was moving. Amen. And so we, we went out to eat. I took him out to his favorite restaurant and and, uh, and I was talking to him, and I said, well, this is what the Lord told me. Now, think about that for a moment. You, for 20-plus years, 25, 26 years, and we both know God speaks, we know He speaks to both of us. And somebody sits and they, they say, the, the, this is what the Lord dealt with me, and I just want to let you know. And I said, uh, you know, I'm going to be moving uh, to Little Rock and uh, moving our, our family there and we're going to headquarter out of Little Rock. He just looked at me and basically told me I was wrong. And that was it. That was the end of our conversation. I've known this man for almost 30 years. Amen. Is he spiritual? I believe so. One of the most spiritual people I know. What happened in that moment? Yielded. To what? A thought that I'm wrong. 
Can't yield to that. Do they mean a lot to me? Yes. But if I yield, then what they said becomes a stumbling block. It becomes an adversary to me. The enemy's never going to show up to you in a red cape with a pitchfork. He's always going to come through a thought. Amen. And Peter yielded to this and voiced it. You'll go the direction that you yield to. And that, that seems elementary, but you'll go down the direction that you yield to. In uh, Acts chapter 5, am I helping you this morning? This is so important because this is what, what we're talking about as a whole is the basis of spiritual warfare. Uh, when you read through the New Testament, when I say the New Testament, I mean uh, uh, the four Gospels, the Pauline epistles, uh, you see the words war, warfare, warring. They're used about four times and never in connection with the devil, ever. Those words are never used in connection with the devil. They're used in connection with your flesh. They're used in connection with uh, 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 fighting the good fight of faith but never in connection with the devil. Because the enemy's spiritual warfare is something that people misunderstand. And the enemy has them chasing ghosts and he's working on their mind. Do you see this? And while he's putting thoughts in their mind, they're chasing something else. You got to guard your mind because that's the control center. Because the Lord showed me this one time. It's like you are a spirit, you possess a soul, and you live in a body. You are a spirit, you have a mind, will, and emotions, and you live in a body. This body can do nothing on its own. It's animated today because I have a spirit. I am a spirit, and I'm alive in my spirit. So this body is animated. This body is like this jacket. If I take this jacket off, this jacket has no movement. Right? Just a jacket. I got to put it on for it to move. Right? When, 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 when your spirit is clothed with your body, your body has no, your, your flesh has no mind of its own. It does, the, it does what the soul tells it to do. Well, your spirit is designed to be in charge. But for your spirit to be in charge, you have to, you have to bring your mind, will, and emotions under the control of your spirit. Because that's how any signals get into the natural. Your spirit deals with your soul and your soul brings it to pass in the natural. Your flesh is just the caboose on a train. It's just there. 
It's not even there anymore on a real train. But you understand what I'm saying? And so while the enemy's dealing with people's minds, he's trying to get them to yield, and so many believers are looking for something super spiritual and something spectacular, and the battleground's going on in their mind. The fight's going on in their mind. Hallelujah. Do you see this? The reason you think you can't is because the enemy implanted a thought in your mind that you can't, and if you yield to it, you can't. Amen. That's important. Because with all the word that we know, there's no reason to ever lose. No reason to ever be defeated. Yeah, but you know, we face challenges. Yes, we do, but we always overcome. What Paul say in the book of Romans? What do we say to these things? He said, shall famine or persecution or nakedness or peril or sword, shall any of these things separate us from the love of God? No, there's no, it cannot. Why? We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Is that right? But the enemy will slip in and bring people thoughts and they'll yield. Well, you know, I mean, you've been believing God to heal you and, you know, you hadn't been healed yet. So is it possible God has something, some purpose for this? Don't you yield to that. Don't yield to that. That's the devil. I, I, I'll say that over here where they believe me. That's the devil. That's the devil. And he's trying to get you to yield. What's he trying to get you to yield to? That thought. That God might have a purpose in that. And the moment you start thinking God has a purpose in it, you go downhill quicker than you were because now you've added your faith to it and you really believe God's got a purpose. Amen. But when you slap that thought down, wow, God doesn't have a purpose in sickness. Has no purpose in sickness. He didn't make me sick. He's not allowing me to be sick. As a matter of fact, the Word of God right now is driving it out of my body. I'm healed in Jesus' name. See, see, see you, just, you just did spiritual warfare. Glory to God. Well, you know, maybe it's not God's will to meet your needs all the time. After all, you know, you might learn something through this. You better slap it down. You'll be broke before you know it. And I know that seems elementary, but that's how the enemy works. That's how he works. And, and you got people chasing demons, and the demons right here on their shoulder talking to their mind. And they're trying to march and yell and scream and hold buckets for people to throw up devils, and the devil's right here. And what are you going to do if you did throw up a devil? Pinch it? What are you going to do with him? Put him in a case and charge admission. I mean, I'm not making fun. I'm just saying. It just doesn't make sense. Hallelujah. And, and people start yielding to that. I, I used this illustration before, but I'll, I'll use it again. When uh, uh, Bruce Jenner, of course, he calls himself something different, but Bruce Jenner, 
you know, he, he, he came uh, full circle, according to him, some, some couple years ago. He made a statement, though, that I never forgot. He said, when I was nine years old, I heard a voice tell me I was a girl. When I was nine. And he said, when I went through the Olympics and, and all that, I had the Wheaties box, man. Greatest athlete in the world. 1976 Montreal Olympics. Won the decathlon. I mean, this, this was the man. He said, but if you look, I had my hair long. And he said, that was my attempt to be what I believed I was. Even back then. So it took the enemy from 9 to 60 to finally get him to give in completely. So that's what, 59 years? 59 years he worked on his mind. Mm. It's like they asked the guy one time, said, you have something good to say about everybody. I bet you'd have something good to say about the devil. He said, well, he is persistent. <laughs> How did that keep working? Through a thought. And every, he said, every time I would look in the mirror, I would see a girl. I would see a woman. Well, he wasn't seeing that physically. He was seeing that in his mind. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, you can quote this, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. If the enemy wants to get something in your heart, he's got to get it in your mind. And if he can get it in your mind, he can get it in your heart. And once it's in your heart, it's harder to get rid of. And that's why Jesus in the book of Luke chapter 4 and Matthew chapter 4, when the enemy came to him and said, if you're the Son of God, what, what reason to say if when you know it's the Son of God? It's the appearance of doubt. If you are the Son of God, make these stones bread. If. It's designed to make Jesus go, hmm. But Jesus didn't go, hmm. Jesus said, no, it's written. What was he doing when he said it's written? Slap, knock it down. It is written. You will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Is that right? Why, you're not getting a thought in my mind. You're not going to cause me to doubt what God said that I could do and what God said that I could be. Amen. 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 That's, that, that's why you've got to answer everything that you're hearing. When you hear people say, well, these uncertain times, open your mouth and say, my times are not uncertain. My times are certain in the name of Jesus. Wisdom and st knowledge will be the stability of my days, the Bible says. I am stable. I am certain. I am strong. I have a firm foundation. God is my rock. God is my fortress. God is my high tower. I cannot be shaken. I cannot move. I cannot be defeated. You're not getting that thought in my mind. Amen. I didn't forget about Acts, but we're preaching for a minute. <laughs> right? That's so important. Because he'll get you going down that road. This whole political season that we're in. Don't you get bought into that trap of partisan politics. People say, well, you know, them Democrats or them Republicans. Listen, it's the platform and it's what's the Bible say. 
Don't let the enemy get another thought in your mind. It's, 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 it's not black, it's not white, it's not Republican, it's not Democrat. It's right or wrong, truth or lie, gospel or not. Amen. Hallelujah. I had a person look at me one time and say, you're one of those one-issue voters. Mm-hmm. That's me. There's more than one, but yeah, that, that's all I need is that one. Right? If you're not going to stand up for the life of unborn children, then we don't have anything to do with you. Right? We're, we're not going to do it. Now, the reason I'm saying this is the, in, the enemy will start putting pressure on you. You'll look out your neighborhood and you'll see signs in the yard, people's yards who they're voting for. And, and they're voting for people that don't have a biblical platform. And you can very quick start thinking, hmm, maybe I'm the only one. Well, maybe you are. So just go ahead and stand out like a cockroach in a punch bowl. Just, just, just be who God called you to be. Amen? And, and don't let the enemy think, right? Because here's the thing. The enemy is not so much trying to get you to do something wrong or to vote against your conscience. Just don't vote. Just set it out. You can't do that. That's a sin. Why? How do I know that? Because the Bible says when you know to do right and you don't do it, it's sin. Amen. So, (laughs) the first week in November, you're going to vote the Bible. Amen. Amen. And, and any Christian, and you do whatever you want to do when I say this, any Christian should not ever check a box for any candidate that's pro-abortion, anti-family, anti-Israel, anti-church. You can't affix your name to that. Why? Because it's contrary to the word. Amen. And you don't let the enemy pull you into that. Glory to God. Acts 5, verse 1. But a certain man named Ananias and Sapphira with his wife sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land while it remained wasn't it yours after it was sold was it not in your power why have you conceived this thing in your heart you've not lied to men but unto God and Ananias hearing these words fell down gave up the ghost great fear came on all them that heard these things now notice what Peter says he said why has Satan filled your heart The light of the Holy Ghost. One commentary says this. Why have you suffered him to fill your heart? Now think about that. Why would you allow it? So Satan filled his heart to lie to the Holy Ghost. Filled his heart with thoughts 
of how the light of the Holy Ghost. This is what we can say. This is what we'll do. Now you say, what's that, what's that got to do with the everyday life that we're leading? Notice, this was not, there. Ananias had a right to keep as much of that money as he wanted. Peter said, it was yours. You could do whatever you want to with it. But somewhere along the line, the enemy came and said, here's what you need to do. You need to just tell them you sold it for this much, and then you get to keep part of it. You'll still look good to everybody, and you'll still keep some money. But Peter said, Satan did that. So think about this. So he filled the heart of a believer to the point that this believer would stand up in church and bring an offering up to the front of the congregation and the man of God, the pastor, if you will, would say, hey, did you sell it for so much? Yep, mm -hmm. in front of everybody. And it cost him. It cost him. Amen. See, why did why, this happen? He yielded. He yielded. Now, in uh, verse 7, we see something about his wife. Huh. And it was about the space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. Now, this is so important the way you read this. And Peter answered unto her, Tell me, brother, you sold the land for so much. Now, I'm going to stop right there for a moment. Here's a chance to yield to what's right. Here's a chance to say, you know what? No, we didn't. We sold it for this much, and we kept back this much. Peter's already said, that's no big deal. You're allowed to do that. Right? Remember now, she don't know what's happened to old Ananias. Here's a chance to yield to the right spirit. Because the man of God's asking a question. Hmm. She could have yielded to the truth. But she continued to yield to the lie of the enemy. Amen. And notice, <laughs> then Peter said to her, how is it you've agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Now, if you, if you read this, very often it's just taught in the context of judgment. You know, don't lie to God. Well, yeah, I mean, you've got to be a fool to try to lie to God. But here's the point. Somebody yielded. At some point in a room or on the street, or wherever they were, one of them said, hey, we sold the land for X amount of dollars. Why don't we just tell them we sold it for this amount, and then we can keep this amount, and nobody will ever know? Where'd that thought come from? The devil. Why? It's a lie. And the Bible says he's a liar and the father of it. 
why, why did he want them to lie? So they would die? No, he just wants people to, he just wants people to act like him. He could care less if they died or not. Because a revival come out of this judgment. It says people begin to look and say, wow, the power of God's really there. You better be right when you go to church there. Amen. Hallelujah. I remember that when I was, when I was a boy. You know, if, if you weren't doing exactly right, you prayed. Boy, you, you repented. You sought the Lord. You stu- yeah, you grabbed the horns of the altar before you went to church. Because people heard from God. I'm serious. If you had certain men in, you'd be sure and repent before, before they came to preach. And then you'd tell the Lord, now remember, you can't hold my past sins against me. So, Mark Hankins said before Brother Hagin would come to the church, he'd spend the week repenting. But here's... So at some point, they're together and they decide to lie. To the Holy Ghost. They had to yield to that. Why didn't one of them say, no, that's not right? Think about that. You're, you're coming to church. You know, they didn't drive then, so they're walking to church or riding. I guess they could have rode a donkey or something. But they're right, they're going to church. And the whole way there, they know they're going to be asked. They know that the process is everybody that has sold land is going to come and bring the money and lay it at the apostles' feet. They know what's going to happen. And all the way there, they have settled in their mind, we're going to lie. And then they get to church and they follow the protocol and Peter says, here, both of them had a chance. Did you sell it for so much? Look, look, look at it again. Verse 3. But Peter said unto Ananias, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? Now, I got to believe. Right there, I'm on my knees. I'm, rep- I'm eating carpet. I repent. It was a stupid thought. It was a stupid idea. Right? Ananias persisted. And it cost him. And then his wife comes in and has a chance to, to fix it. For her, and she persisted. Amen. There are people that insist they weren't saved. Well, you know, these two people weren't saved. You can't say that because Scripture doesn't say it. It says they were a part of this church, and they were there long enough to see what was going on. I don't know if they got saved on the day of Pentecost or when they got saved. But here's the issue. Nowhere in here does it say they were sinners. And also nowhere in here does it say God killed them. Well, how'd they die? They died. Doesn't matter how. But the point is, where where did this, this didn't have to happen. It didn't have to go this way. But they yielded to something. I've watched people over the years. Life does not have to end up for them the way it is. But they keep yielding to the wrong thought. They keep yielding to the wrong influence. 
Every time that opportunity to go do that shows up, they just yield to it and go down that road. And all they have to do at any time is say, I'm not doing that. And the authority they were given in Luke chapter 10 will come to the surface and the enemy, according to James 4, 7, will flee from them because they resisted him. That's what the scripture says. Amen. Hallelujah. But you got people who are fasting and praying and seeking God and praying all night. And well, what, what are you praying about? Oh, I just, I don't want to do that thing again. And I don't want to, and I don't want this, and I don't want that. And those thoughts are bombarding my mind. And I'm just fast. Nowhere in the scripture does it say fast and pray and the thoughts will leave. It says you have to cast them down. I'm all about fasting and praying. But you've got to cast it down. Am I helping you? Look at uh, Romans 6. It's early yet. (laughs) It's just good to know I got a little reserve. It doesn't mean I got to use it all. (laughs) But these things take time. Romans 6 and 16. Paul says, Do you not know that who you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness? I I read that to you because notice it says to who you yield. Who you yield to. So that marvelous theologian Flip Wilson was wrong. The devil cannot make you do it. I have to yield to it. I have to yield to it. And he said that when you yield, notice, you become servants. So when I yield to that thought, I'm actually the servant of the one who implanted the thought. So no believer would ever say they're the servant of the devil, but yet when you act on his thoughts, you are. I can't be the servant of the devil. I'm saved. It's it's not about are you saved or not. It's who are you yielding to. I've heard people over the years say, well, a saved person would never do that. Well, the baloney. A saved person will do whatever they yield to. I was talking to one person one time, and we were talking about carnal Christians. And they said, when are we going to drop the Christian and just say carnal? They're just carnal. When, when a person is carnal, the entry into their mind is easier. And Paul said, if you yield to it, you become their servants. Oh, glory. In uh, Acts 19. Got just one or two more examples for you. Verse 1. For the sake of time, this is when Paul 
had come to Ephesus, and you'll remember he found certain disciples there. And he said in verse 2, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said, We've not so much heard whether there be a Holy Ghost. He said, What are you baptized? He said, Under John's baptism. And Paul said, John just baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him who should come after. That's Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Ghost came on them. They spake with tongues and prophesied. So Paul's telling them the truth about the infilling of the Holy Ghost, and they yielded to it. They had to yield to it. They did, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. They yielded. Something that they had never heard before, something, a revelation they'd never heard or seen, but yet when they heard it, and they heard it from the Scripture, they yielded to it. Your job in any area of your life as a believer is to be easily persuaded by the Word. And when you hear the Word, you yield to what the Word says. You yield to the Word. Amen. Then in verse 8, it says, And he went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing, persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. But when diverse were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that way before the multitude... He departed from them and separated the disciples disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannus. So there were people being persuaded by the gospel. Why? They yielded to it. Others were hardened in their heart and didn't receive and yielded to the wrong spirit. Amen. Even where salvation is concerned, people have to yield. They have to yield. You know, the Lord helped me with this one time. That I, when I first started pastoring, uh, you know, I had this idea that, well, you, you just had to do everything everybody wanted you to do. Because after all, I mean, you're a shepherd. And within just a few weeks of pastoring, I heard this verse over and over again. I don't know how many times. Well, you know, a good shepherd leaves the 99 and goes after the one. In other words, you ought to do whatever I want you to do because you're the shepherd and I'm the sheep. Well, I mean, in my ignorance and my youth, I, of course, I, I, I thought that was the case. And uh, so I would just go, I mean, people would, would say, hey, you know, my, my second cousin Ethel's in the hospital. Would you go visit her? Oh, sure. You know, and I'm going to visit Ethel. And then I'd get up there and, and, and knock on the door and they'd say, come in. And I'd tell them who I was. And they'd basically say, well, we don't believe that. Who are you? We didn't want you here. I mean, I went in one group. There was a group in there. I thought they were going to beat me up. I, I you know. <laughs> I thought I was going to be like Paul. They were going to drag me out by the gate and leave me, you know. But my point in saying that is I finally figured out I'm not the answer. And I also figured something out about salvation. You know, the Bible says this. It says that when one sinner is born and born again and saved, that the angels rejoice. But do you know what it doesn't say? It doesn't say that the angels mourn because of all them that didn't believe. Even where salvation is concerned, you got to yield. These people wouldn't yield to what Paul was saying. But some did. Isn't that what it says? 
Some did. And revival came. Now, look here at Acts 9. I think this will be our last one, I think. Yielding. Acts 9, verse 10. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision. Ananias, he said, I'm here, Lord. And the Lord said, Arise, go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prays. And he hath seen in the vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him, that he might receive his sight. And of course, Ananias said, I've heard by many of this man how much evil he's done to the saints in Jerusalem, and he has authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go your way. He's a chosen vessel to me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel. I'll show him how much great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house. And timidly, shakingly, no, went into the house, put his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, did the Lord tell him that Saul had been changed? He did. He's a, he's a chosen vessel. He's praying. And, and Ananias went in here, and he didn't address him as anything else. He yielded to what God said, and he said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared to you on the way, has sent me that I might lay hands on you and you might receive the sight in your eyes and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Is that what he said? Amen. Ananias yielded to what the Lord had asked him to do. He knew the voice and the leading of the Holy Spirit. If you know the voice and the leading of the Holy Spirit, there's never a question. The enemy always wants you to question, was that God? You know his voice. You are his sheep. You know his voice. Yield to it. Yield to it. This is what Ananias did. Hallelujah. Even though he saw a vision, he still had to yield. And the result of his yielding was what? Paul received his sight and was filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, how do we know that? Because Ananias said that's why he was sent. He didn't do one and leave the other undone. Now, this leads me to my final point. There are times that your willingness to yield can and will affect others in your life. My willingness to yield. Yielding to the things of God. Amen. I watched that over the years. My parents yielding to the plan of God for their life affected me. Because it set things in motion for me. There were, there were doors and opportunities. And when I say that, I don't mean with people. I mean there were doors open in the spirit because they were willing to yield. I remember, I remember being a, a, a kid. And I say a kid, I mean just a kid. Well, I was born again when I was eight. So I just remember being a kid. And just thinking as a kid that God had something for me to do. I didn't know what, but something I mean, surely he's got something for me to do. God's got something for everybody to do. Amen. 
and sitting, sitting around playing. And, and preachers were always at our house and evangelists and, and pastors. And we were always around men and women of God. And they would sit around those tables and talk about the good things God was doing and what God was doing. Talk about revelation. And you know, I may not have understood all of it, but their yielding was working something in me. That ever what I wanted to do with my life, I could never ever lose sight of the fact that God had something for me to do. Amen. Do you see that? And, and all those doors open. You know, you, you, some, sometimes we laugh about, you know, mom and dad dragging us to church and sitting us on the front row. I'm glad they did. Because, it, man, there were some things, there were some things that happened in those services that had a marked impact on my life. Not just words that were given to me, but manifestations of the Spirit. I remember being a young boy and realizing early on I got authority over demons. Why? I saw them cast out in church. I saw demons cast out. I saw people manifest in the church. And my dad would be preaching and all of a sudden somebody would go, ah, and just the, the demon would start acting up. Amen. He didn't take him to the counseling room and go through a list and have you been uh, uh, exposed to this and, and were you abused and were you this and were you that. He just stepped over and said, I command you in the name of Jesus, come out of that person. Amen. I mean, it, it, when I say it got to be old hat, here's what I mean. It didn't surprise us. Their yielding affected Amen. If your parents were born again, they, their yielding to God affected you. If your parents weren't born again, their refusal to yield to God affected you. Amen. What I do affects other people in my life. If I don't yield to the will of God, when God says, I want you to go, I want you to move, I want you to do this. If I don't yield to that, it affects everybody under my care. i got to yield to it. Hallelujah. Amen. I, I, I was uh, talking with somebody one time. And uh, they had to, and I've seen this over the years. They told me. They said, uh, the, uh, the Lord told me to come to this church and told me to bring my family here. And I've heard that a number of times over the years, and I mean, I'm not knocking that. Please understand that. But, uh, you know, I've watched that over the years. Folks, listen. If you're where God told you to be, there's going to come an opportunity for you to move away from where God told you to be. And you've got to determine, am I going to yield to it? Amen. Because any number of thoughts will come. I've watched families over the years. Well, you know, uh, uh, we're going to go over here to this church because they got this program and they got that program. And, you know, they got all kinds of programs for the kids. And, and, and you know, it's just, it's just so important that we have programs. Well, I mean, programs are good and there's nothing wrong with them and, and we're growing and getting more of them. But here's the thing. You don't ever leave 
where God told you to be for a program. I think sometimes, where would my life be if as a young boy, young kid, young child, I had not been on the front row of adult church? Where would my life be? Amen. Don't yield to the enemy trying to move you away from the plan of God in whatever area it is because your best days are ahead of you. Your future is bright. The call of God is still present and still evident. Don't yield to any other voice. Amen. I believe God. Well, stand up, everybody. Praise the Lord. Now, everybody, which clock you go by? By this one, we're early. <laughs> by this one, we're right on time. So I guess we're good either way. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That's why I tell people, I say, we start by this one and preach by this one. <laughs> oh, God's good to us. Amen. I believe God. Thank you, Father. So, Father, we thank you today. We thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father, for the healing that occurred this morning. We thank you, Lord, that we are determined to yield to you. And as we do, we receive grace. We receive abundant grace that flows through our life and ministers to us in our time of need. And, Lord, we thank you for it. We praise you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen.